following interview has been conducted via phone. Stay safe, everybody. Now, on to the show. It's really just me looking in the mirror for the first time instead of being like, my this person broke my heart. It's like, no, it's much more complicated than that, and you know that. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. Today, I have Emily Blue, and you may know Emily Blue from such groups as Terra Terra, Boycut, Moonmouth, and herself as a solo artist. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to be listening to your brand spanking new song, and the song is called Aperture. Um, and so, as I like to say, without further ado, let's listen to the song.
Welcome back. Emily, my first and favorite question to always ask, what came first, the the music or the words? The chicken or the egg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so for this one, I actually wrote it kind of classic singer-songwriter style, very much in my habits of earlier year writing where I will just sit down at the piano and start kind of freestyling it out. But what I wanted in particular was to make a really angular piano part. Oh. Now it's been turned into this amazing kind of collage of synths and stuff, so it's very different than the original arrangement, although all the notes are actually still intact. They're just kind of like divided amongst five or six synth sounds that my friend Joey chose. So yeah, I kind of wrote it all at once, and it definitely came out very naturally. A lot of times... I'll have to do a little bit more premeditated thinking on the song, but this one, I kind of just let it be what it wanted to be, and Mm. it ended up being kind of an untraditional sounding thing, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. One of the things that kind of, that I I noticed at least right away was the kind of heartbeat beat that goes through this song, and I, I feel like even through until the end, there's that sense of a heartbeat, but the heartbeat kind of changes. And, and you know, that that's just my interpretation, but there's a very strong, you know, the lub-dub kind of heartbeat sound to it. And then what I notice towards the end is it reminds me of me when I have am just struck by something that makes me really anxious because my, you know, you feel it in your heart where it just kind of not skips a beat, but it it breaks up just a little bit. And I just, anyway, that was just something that, that stuck out to me. How do you decide how to arrange it? Because it does sound like you, do you either started off on the piano or you started off with, you know, playing with a guitar and singing? Yeah. So it's interesting because this whole song kind of revolves around this repeating piano part that I did that's actually in seven, the time signature is in seven, but the kick drum is in, it's two over seven, I believe. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, um, that's why it feels like it kind of flips every so often. And there's a little bit of an unsettling feeling because it's not quite locked in, in a repeatable way. Does that make sense? So it's like two over seven, you can do it. And it has this feeling of never ending and always constantly kind of pushing forward and not being rooted in something and I love that musical choice. I'm so excited about like the fact that it doesn't come across as a complicated time signature. Right. That's kind of my goal with it. You know, you don't want to feel like you're you're trying to outsmart your listener. You do want to communicate a feeling at the end of the day. So I wanted to have that sense of unease pretty much the whole huh. time until the bridge. I don't know if you coined this phrase uh originally but your style has been referred to as glitch pop. Does that, is mm-hmm. that, does it? Okay. I don't know if that's, I, sometimes I don't know if that was a thing or is that somebody coined it and it just stuck, but. I don't actually know. I feel like we just kind of, we as in me and producers I work with and just like my team in general, I feel like we just kind of felt right about that because everything is in the pop world, but it's also slightly off kilter at the same time. Um, so I think that that kind of encompasses a lot of the choices that we make in the production. I, I want to say that I feel like your music with your soul work. I don't know. You always have such beautiful 
and melodic lines in everything that you do. So beautiful and uplifting, but yet feels so heavy all at the same time. And I don't know if that you would particularly call that uh, as part of the the glitch pop style. It does have a pop feel, but at the same time, it feels kind of broken. Does broken sound like the right word? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of disjointed pieces that kind of make this. I use the word collage a lot around this mm. music because it's what I think about visually. It's kind of like you're hodgepodging together a bunch of little broken digital pieces and making something beautiful with it. I don't know if that makes sense. I definitely think of like with your your song like uh, formaldehyde or I'm um, not um, sorry I can't believe I did that um, you, under like microscope is what I was thinking of and then I because yeah. it's got the line formaldehyde and then anyway but that's just my brain it, working it means but, you know the lyrics <laughs> but I mean just there's some very um, like I, I just think of like the, the bass line in there that, that seems like it it should be continually driving the whole time, but then it kind of pauses and stops, you know, the did it, 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 you know, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, but it doesn't, it doesn't just drive all the way through, which you kind of would expect almost with a pop song, but it, that's, that, sorry, that's the whole, in my mind, when I keep thinking of the glitchy and then also just some of these very distorted parts anyway, I, but anyway, I, I've been absolutely fascinated with the, the construction of your pieces um, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right but I just assumed it was Star 69 was the name of the album right yeah yeah, yeah. and it's funny because it started out as an EP but I just kept adding things to it because <laughs> everything kind of seemed to fit in that world you know so now it's an LP which is exciting. yeah so <laughs> sorry going back to the song because I it's your music is so I've talked about your music, but also let's let's just focus on these lyrics too. Even the lyrics themselves seem like almost not incomplete thoughts, but they just kind of they collage. Actually, <laughs> that's what I was thinking because yeah. they fit together in these um, like your your sections kind of stand kind of stick together in in kind of strange ways. But they're all it feels like you're doing a 180 or some other direction all of a sudden when you go to the next section. This this part where you're talking about my my shape is putty in your hands and then that the end of that stanza says out in the cold but I and then the next part is carved my face in gold who knows who knows and it feels like that just takes a completely different turn. Is there a particular line that you started out with or did you actually start out with out along the silver shore? I actually did start with Out Along the Silver Shore, and I kind of wrote this in the order that it's written, which is really rare for me. Usually I'll write a hook first, then oh. go to the verse, and then go to the second verse, and then maybe out a bridge. But this is like a stream of consciousness kind of song. So the part that I really enjoyed writing, just because it's an interesting texture, is the first verse, the My Shape is Putty in Your Hands. It's... Mm the same notes over and over and then it kind of becomes more melodic at the carve my face in gold but i guess if i could say anything about it it's about me falling in love with someone who already has a partner and kind of coming to terms with the fact that it's never going to happen the way that i want it to so at first it's kind of like this fantasy dream like memory and i don't know why but i was thinking a lot about the chicago beach and how it looks in the wintertime, it's kind of like this beautifully sad scenario. And it just kind of felt like 
how I was feeling, if that makes sense. And then the next part is kind of like this offering. Like maybe I can carve us permanently in time together. Who knows what will happen? Maybe this will happen. And then start. I'm like looking at my lyrics right now <laughs> on the computer. And then the next time I do that section about gold again, it's kind of like a loss rather than trying to create something. It's like giving it up. Yeah. And accepting it a little bit better. Yeah, you lost your weight in gold. That's a nice turn. So you have the my shape is putty in your hands, and then you also have the beach looks starving in winter. How do you construct or think about, because those are both kind of more of these like staccato parts where it's, I always think of when you sing staccato that it, it feels more like you're trying to catch your breath in a way. And I don't know if that was kind of the idea, but it's like you're talking about your shape or your light. I mean, which I think of is is those are things that we like give to other people in a way like. Yeah. And you, we offer uh, vulnerability. I feel like that always steals our breath to be so vulnerable. Um, that is a very scary and difficult time and so i i think it's just interesting that you have that kind of staccato sound to the way that you're you're saying your word it gives a very you know strong mood of that um sense of giving yourself to something yeah definitely and i feel like in the second verse especially i actually do struggle to keep up with the phrasing of it not in a sense that it's like impossible for me to sing it's more that it's got this momentum that almost makes me run out of what I'm providing. So it's like I, I'm singing, I'm using breath support, and the phrase is such that I'm, I'm realizing that it's escaping me. And that's kind of the meaning of the second verse anyway. It's you're, you're starting to realize you're giving more than maybe you're getting back, or you're, it, you're just vulnerable and you can't help yourself because, you know... When, when you say, my light pours in just like I always let it, it's kind of like, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> For some reason, I also, when I heard that line, my light pours in, and we're talking about an aperture, which is, the, you know, which is like how much light we decide to let in through a lens. Um, but I totally had a, had a thought where I just, I totally thought to Leonard Cohen, where it was like, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And I, yeah. d I don't know, I thought that was kind of, and it's interesting though that like your light pours in, which I'm just like, oh, it just sounds like you've just opened up your aperture, right? Like that's the only way that, I mean, in terms of photography, like that's how you let light pour in as you open up the aperture. But then again, um, you know, uh, your your depth of field is is cut. So you only see to a certain depth of field, you know, that you're only able to focus on one little tiny, tiny part and then everything else is blurry. I don't know. It was just... Yeah, it kind of obscures what's happening when, when you... I mean, in life and also in photography, if your aperture is too open, you can't really see what's in front of you. I think that's kind of what happened to me in my life is that I opened that up more quickly than I probably reasonably should have. And wasn't able to see that mm. it wasn't even the right relationship for me. Because I was so quick to make it happen. When you say hook, I, I am notorious for calling the wrong things 
uh, hooks and the wrong things choruses. <laughs> and so I just want to see if, if I have the right. So I think of like the hook, I think of like the how, how, how part. Um, is that not right? Or is that, that more like a bridge kind of thing? <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting because there's not like a singable, danceable chorus and nothing ever really repeats in the song other than the melodies. So I just kind of look at it as intro, section A, section B, section A, section B, and then the bridge starts at how, and then goes until we return to like the the outro, which is just the verse. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, I guess the the structural part is interesting to me because I'm observing it after I wrote it. It's like an unintentional, very cathartic release type of song. So I wasn't thinking, I have to make this accessible and perfectly structured so that everyone go- walks away singing, you know, Party in the USA or something. <laughs> like, it's so much more for me, I guess, than for a, an industry standard, which is a really nice feeling. I don't do this very often in, in the pop catalog anymore because... I enjoy also crafting like what I hope to be my best pop song yet, you know, but this one is more like music as therapy for for myself and hopefully for others if they've ever felt like this in their own way. You mentioning that this is this is separate from not separate, how do I say this? Is distinctly different from the work that you normally do in the pop genre is like, I look at some of the singles that you've released more recently, like Bad Decisions and Seventeen. I I feel like you're right. This does, this does have a different feel. And even both Bad Decisions and Seventeen, which you have some serious subject matter in there, it still is, has that lightness to it. And then this seems more, more, vulnerable, more uh, open. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it's interesting thinking about that because a lot of times it's like, what role does vulnerability play in pop music? Pop is such a competitive category. It's such a bright and showy category at times. I wouldn't say all artists Mm. are like that, obviously, but there's a specific kind of imagery and mood that you associate with pop. It's usually, like, pump-up jams or, like, mood lifters or something that's really fun. And obviously there's a ton of room in that genre that I'm not acknowledging. Like, there's there's ballads, there's all this other stuff. But for some reason, I think this song stands out because the lyrics are so personal and so much my poetic voice rather than my pop voice, I guess, if that makes sense. It's like, it's as if I'm kind of just piecing together my own experience as I go. And you can kind of tell that um, by the style. Is there a favorite line in this piece? Or uh, it can be, it can even be melodic, melodic line. What is your favorite part of this song? Let's just make it easy and safe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, let me see. It's funny. I actually had to pull up my lyric document to be able to like refer, refer to myself because <laughs> it's like you kind of realize things about yourself when you read your own work. And 
I guess my favorite part about this song is that I did learn about myself by reading this. Like, I wrote all this out, and I even played it for the person who it was about after I was finished with it. Just in its very bare form, I was like, I want to I want to sit you down and play this for you. It's about you. <laughs> Which, it seems weird, but it was like, it was kind of like a resolution. And so in this... Uh-huh. In, the, in that way, it was a resolution for me, kind of admitting, okay, this might not be right. I I got into deep with this. Like, I respect that this is not right, but I just wanted to kind of lay it out there. Um, and by not right, I, I just mean, like, not possible. You know, because when someone has a partner, there's only so much you can say or do until it becomes you know detrimental to the friendship and that's when you have to kind of realize like maybe there's something having to do with me that is making me attracted to something that can't love me back and so that's kind of what I appreciate about it is like it's really just me looking in the mirror for the first time instead of being like my this person broke my heart it's like no it's much more complicated than that and you know that. I think I like the beach looks starving in winter. Um, and then my light pours in just like I always let it. I feel like that that image is really what sticks with me throughout the whole song. I really see it as kind of like a gray or light blue hazy dream sequence. And so I really like the way that looks in my mind. That's interesting. I was, I mean, in light of the shelter in place that we have, I was just, I did think... Um, there's a lot of beaches these days that are looking rather starving as well. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I think to me, the line that I actually like is just the held my face inches from yours, kiss me till the morning. Because that just, I don't know if everyone's had a situation very similar to that where they can picture themselves in it. I can't say that that hasn't happened to me more than once where you have that connection with that person that they're just so like their physical proximity and you're already so kind of into them. Those first four lines, it feels like couldn't be a more perfect relationship, which I think is kind of interesting because that's not where it ends up going. Yeah, exactly. Or or at least not not a romantic relationship or whatever you want to call it, because I'm sure there's still like like a relationship where you care and love each other in a certain way. Yeah. Right. So it's not that it ends, it's just that it doesn't It doesn't come out the way that you expect. I am so fascinated by how often when I'm interviewing people about songs they've written about other people or about a particular situation and how many people know that that song is about them. <laughs> yeah. Like, that that gets shared. I, I, I'm just, like, it, for me, I'd just be like, I'm just, maybe maybe they'll figure it out. I'm not going to tell them. But I, I just, do you find that, because um, you said that this song was very therapeutic for you in a certain way, but also that being able to communicate in this manner to that person is also super important important and therapeutic in a certain way. Do you feel like that's something that just happens typically? Or how many people do you tell that a song that you've written is about them? I often tell the person because if I'm writing about them, I usually 
have some sort of relationship with them already in the sense that, like, you know, it's important enough for me to say something, so therefore it's probably already important to me in general. For example, in my current relationship, if I'm having an issue, I sometimes write about it and show it to my partner so that he understands what I feel. And sometimes the things I say are negative. (laughs) Sometimes they're critiques of maybe his behavior or the way that something played out. I don't like to write vindictively. It's kind of a philosophy of mine that that is the (laughs) just my least favorite type of art is, you know, entitlement or vindictiveness towards someone. I just, I don't really, I tried my best to avoid that and instead make it more about discovery. Um, And so I very often tell the person if I'm writing about them, especially because I'd like them to know before it goes out, out of respect. You know what I mean? Well, you don't want them to figure it out years down the road when maybe that might not be the best time for them to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I, that totally makes sense. It, it's how, how did this come together Like get to get recorded in the form that we hear it now? I have been working on this song for quite a long time. I've held on to a lot of these ideas um, and demos, honestly, probably for years. But it basically came into its final form over Zoom calls and audio streaming apps where Joey, the producer, and I would kind of check on the progress of things and talk about revisions because, you know, when it's a demo, it's not exactly where you'd like to present it yet. And we wanted to figure out the style. So for the bridge, I had tracked the vocals many, many times and never quite felt like I delivered it right. So that was like an exercise in itself was figuring out exactly the, the vocal character. So I'm really picky about that <laughs> in my in my work. I want it to be like not only obviously sung on pitch or whatever, but just what's the character in the story sound like. Um, and this character was me. So I'm very, very picky about how I show me to the world. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we did that. And we wrapped it up this week. Got it mastered. My friend Colin from Terra Terra did the mastering and... We've been communicating via text threads and all that stuff, figuring out how to get it out. Are you playing all of the instruments or was that like you sent some of those things ahead and they were played or are you playing all the instruments, I guess you could say? I wrote the piano part initially. I showed Joey and he's really amazing in terms of like ear and being able to to hear something and then be able to play it right after. So he kind of took my part and assigned different notes to different sounds and then we were talking about oh what if we do a kick drum like bump 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 over this verse and then he took that and did kind of like a what you'd call a four on the floor later in the song where it just kind of constantly goes um and i've i've been really inspired also by bon Iver, so the the b section where it's all vocals i wanted it to be almost like a vocoder but a little bit less organized. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like a vocoder if you let it all loose and, and took things out of sync a bit. So more like, uh, so uh, less like Perth and more like um, the, what is it, 22 a million, the more recent, you know, 
where it's it's these really heavy vocoder and pitch correction. It, 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 does that make sense, or am I? Yeah, that does talking? make sense. <laughs> I mean, I wanted yeah. it to be kind of that thick wall of of voice, and some of the stuff mm-hmm. I actually had to do an octave above what the part I wanted was because I only have so much depth in my voice as a female singer. I can't get those bass notes that I wanted, so we just pitched down some of my voice, and I can't remember, but I think I think he might have actually sung a track in that chorus as well. I, I call it the chorus, I don't know if it's a chorus, but... <laughs> just so I've got it right, uh, the chorus for you is the how, how, how? Um, no? It's the lost my weight in gold kind of vocodery parts. Oh, okay. But obviously, you know, it's up for interpretation. I hope people find that the tone is fitting to the times because I, I definitely feel like what we're all going through has influenced my choice of what I'm going to release next. Um, I think this song represents to me learning about myself um, from lacking something. And right now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm feeling similar feelings from the world events as I did during the writing of these lyrics. It's kind of like, when, when the things you really want or thought you wanted are suddenly not accessible, what do you think about yourself? What do you have? And what do you appreciate? What good and bad habits do you have alone as a person? So I feel like it's just like... It's introspection season, baby. We're all we're all at home. <laughs> right. You know, we can't help but just be thinking and reevaluating our lives a little bit. COVID-19 got you down? You looking for some music, some video games? Well, Exile Main Street still has all the things you need. New and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile Main Street still has something for any music enthusiast and old-school gaming devotee. Exile Main Street is taking orders, making deliveries, and pickups by appointment. They can find just about any music or video game you need. Check out their website, ExileMainStreet.com, for links to their Discogs page for new additions. You can also contact them via Facebook Messenger to see what they can find for you. They can also be reached on Instagram, Twitter, email, or phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Emily, you've been out of the Champaign-Urbana, I don't know, scene for for. How long now? So, I've lived in Chicago probably three and a half-ish years. It's kind of a, hard for me to measure because I actually finished the end of my school year at the U of I traveling between the two cities um, by Greyhound <laughs> so that I could oh, be wow. playing music on the weekends and come home to class in my PJs with my suitcase. <laughs> it was wow. quite a strange lifestyle. But I don't regret it at all because I got to kind of get to know Chicago before I was officially a resident here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I grew up in Champaign. I was born in Urbana, technically. And I've always experienced that scene growing up. And it definitely influenced mm-hmm. my 
career choices and how I grew as a as an artist as a young person. So that was amazing. Did you have a favorite Champaign-Urbana music venue? Yeah, I think... Well, the first gig I ever played was at the Red Herring. That's not my favorite oh, music venue yeah. per se, but it does hold a special place in my heart. But I really liked playing Cowboy Monkey and I really liked playing... Oh my gosh, what was it called? They changed the name of it. Was it The Accord? It was the high dive yeah. and then the accord and yeah. So I really liked playing there. It just sounded great. Big room. Felt so, you know, rock star energy with all the lights and the, the fog and everything. So I yeah. had a lot of good sets on that stage. Did you play there for Pygmalion? Is that right? I feel like I played um, one Pygmalion on that stage, but I can't remember because I know we did a lot of the outdoor stuff. Oh, as Terra Terra, though, right? Yeah, 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 we did. And I, like, as a solo artist, I've never played Pygmalion before. So how would you say, like, the Champaign-Urbana music scene is different from the Chicago music scene, other than, like, other than just the sheer scale of it? What sticks out to you as being different between the two? It's hard for me to say about the current scene, because I've kind of been living here for a little bit. So the big things I notice... Is maybe there does seem to be a tighter knit community in Champaign as a whole because it's just a smaller town, so it feels like there's a a big family. But in Chicago, it feels like there's a lot of different families. There's a lot of genres, a lot of different kind of scenes here, and it actually is a challenge to feel out exactly where you would like to focus. Because when I moved here, I started kind of hanging out and experimenting in the, like, hip-hop lo-fi crowd. And then I was like, hmm, I don't think this is exactly my strength. So (laughs) I kind of switched my focus to being a little bit more private and working on very pop-oriented projects and stuff. They're similar in the sense that people are open-minded and they want to collaborate and stuff. It's just a different world when there's so many options and... You know what I mean? Like, it's just huge compared to Champagne. And Champagne, I miss it every day. I I think it's such a special environment, like, to be an artist because people really care. And um, it seems like less (laughs) anxiety-inducing at the same time, too. I don't know how to explain, but that's what I would say. But uh, Do you have a favorite venue in Chicago that you like to play? Yeah, I like Lincoln Hall a lot. I like Sleeping Village a lot. I just really like like a nice big stage with great lighting, great sound. It's all I really require. <laughs> <laughs> You're not asking for too much. Yeah, um, right? That's interesting because I do feel at least there's kind of this, there's at least some kind of homogeny, some like the Champaign-Urbana music scene. I feel like in Chicago, it would be really weird to have like um, hip hop, experimental rock and roll and i don't know country all in the same bill but i i feel like i feel like that that could and has happened um in champagne so um i feel like there's there's at least that openness you're you mentioned before i i i see that because there's just this there's a very openness to different types of music and also like we're all in this together kind of thing and and maybe in Chicago, it's just so big that people can't really kind of 
sink their teeth into everything and maybe that's why i don't i don't know i'm just i'm just kind of guessing here but yeah lately though i'm i'm seeing a lot more like genre diverse bills and i try to do that because i think maybe because i grew up in champagne i try to create a variety of acts so i don't know it's kind of interesting yeah there are certainly different pockets that are super focused and kind of sticking with their crew so to speak but then at the same time you'll see a lineup of rappers you know hardcore and you'll be like where'd that come from but it's awesome either way do you have any like particular memories of a really good show that you saw in Champaign-Urbana? I definitely remember <laughs> Bones, Drugs, and Harmony at the Canopy Club where they asked me, and I don't even remember, I think a couple of my friends, to dress up in skeleton suits <laughs> and run around. Um, <laughs> and I'm laughing because <laughs> I think that I was like a little bit drunk during this situation. Uh, and I was dancing the best I've ever danced. And it's funny because no one knew it was us because you can't see our faces. We're in these costumes. So we were running around the building. Like, we were definitely the hype crew. That was hilarious. Really good time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So uh, are there photos somewhere? Please tell me there are. I'm sure there are, but... Oh, man, I don't know. You'll have to ask Jake Metz, because he was also there. We were having a great time. That was a super funny time, though, because they were just on the the big stage and had... They had big banners with their logos and Bones Jugs props and stuff. They always put on a great show. I guess back in the day, what what was your favorite Champaign-Urbana music to listen to or band or, or group or whatever i'm leaving it open um musical uh, act Let's i really just say liked that. the fights that was a great yeah. band and grandkids and elsinore my main group i like rebecca yeah. rigo and the train men of course it's just a great town oh i miss it miss it all the time i wish i could come visit right now but we got a social distance right so Yeah, I had a whole tour booked, um, and we were going to come to Blackbird in Urbana. What was the name of that tour? I'm sorry if that's opening wounds, but... It's so ironic. uh, It's called See the Future Tour. (laughs) Because we never would have seen the future. If we had seen the future, we would have scheduled it for a different day. But we are rescheduling, so we'll be back soon. Oh, good. Good. Excellent. Well, I, I can't wait to hear all about it and, like, just see you perform and uh, it's just um it's really unfortunate that there are a lot of bands that are unable to um get out and perform is there anybody currently that you're you're kind of got your eye on or are you not as in tune with what's going on in the champagne urbana music scene well i've been watching some of the live streams from mike ingram and bone strokes did one at the rose bowl so i definitely I'm just checking in every so often. I really can't wait to come back. I'd like to record again at Earthly Analog in Tolano. Because that's just a a wonderful experience and a huge room. And I did a record there probably like five years ago or something. Was that the Another Angry Woman? No, I did um, Tara Tara's first record. So I guess it would be six years ago. Oh, Daughter? Yeah. 
even in the midst of the current shelter-in-place order, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged, home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Emily, what is your favorite non-musical thing? Oh my gosh, what a broad question. Okay, um, hmm. I really love ordering myself an iced coffee from Starbucks almost every day. <laughs> and it's yeah. not just an iced coffee, it is a blonde double shot on ice, which is like what I would refer to as the zippiest drink you can possibly get. It's just it's like a shot of energy. <laughs> and um, right. and I also get a chocolate croissant warmed up because those are excellent. So I really love food. And then mm. in the non-food realm, my favorite thing... Hmm. I just like laughing with the people I love, quite simply. That's just... That's my favorite thing. Besides Starbucks. Oh, yeah? <laughs> wow, I sound Besides like so Starbucks. basic on this show. Delete everything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it's been a really long... T- I mean, at least for me, it's been a really, really long time since I've had, like, a really good laugh. You know? And there's yeah. something definitely very therapeutic about just, like, laughing so hard or being so joyful that you, nothing really... Nothing could touch you kind of thing. Where it's just, like, it's just... I, I think in our current situation, that would be, that sounds wonderful. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Shucks. <laughs> I would highly recommend uh, Quiplash, which you can play online with your friends. It's hilarious. It's like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a fill in the blank Cards Against Humanity oh. type of game, but it's way more personal. And I, that's been getting me through a lot of quarantine, I'm not going to lie. So do you play it like like as if it's Zoom? Like it's it's a, like uh, everyone's on their cameras and that kind of thing. Oh my god, I sound like such an old person. No, so everybody's exactly, on their that's cameras. Exactly how we oh, play. Okay. Um, you share those. Someone has to buy the game, but you have the person who bought the game share their screen with everybody, and then you can play with a group on the Zoom chat. So it's pretty simple oh. um, and very very funny. So I, that's like definitely been a frequent pastime of mine recently. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, okay, I get that. So it, it's like a um, what is it called again? It's called um, Quip Lash, and you can get it at Jackbox TV, and they have all their games on there. And I think you can just get it for like your computer. No way. Okay. That yeah, actually dude. sounds, that sounds amazing. I love it. It is amazing. 
Do you have any other favorite things or? I like roller coasters. <laughs> roller coasters. I love roller so, coasters. Where does that come from? Or um, is there? Just, I don't know. They're just, just so always... fun. They're just, and it's something I can't do right now. So I've been thinking a lot about it. <laughs> That's a new one. Nobody said um, said roller coasters yet. I'm surprised. So. I'm surprised no one said that. Do you have a favorite roller coaster? Oh my gosh! Like I one actually that... do not because. Most of the ones I've been on were when I was a teenager. I don't even remember what they're called. Yeah, I guess it's been a long time since I've been on a, you know, real roller coaster. Are you, do you have a particular, like, type of roller coaster? Or are they just, like, any any and all kind of I roller coasters? I don't really like the wooden ones as much because they're so bumpy. But I'll still do it, you know? Why not? <laughs> I'll still yeah, give it a go. And and maybe they have a shorter line, perhaps I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, probably. Um, what part of a the roller coaster ride, or is it just the whole experience, is the is the best of, of about the roller coaster? I think it's if you go with a friend or family member and you experience it together. Because I don't think I would want to do it by myself necessarily. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Is it, it? But it's it's like that shared experience of what terror or like exhilaration <laughs> like, or i don't I know i find myself <laughs> laughing on them because it's so absurd i'm just like you don't feel like that often so everyone's just like ah <laughs> the, the thing that goes through my head all the time is i'm gonna die oh wait i'm not gonna die i'm gonna yeah. die i'm not gonna die which I, I think is such a bizarre like why do we do that to ourselves but you're uh, you, that that adrenaline rush is so invigorating Emily, thank you so much for being on the show and for telling me all about Aperture and uh, about the Champaign-Urbana music scene and like your favorite non-musical things. And um, just, I, I look forward to seeing some of the new things. And I and I forgot to even ask you, is there is there a video uh, for Aperture coming up or is, is that, um, you're saving that for something else? We are working on one right now, but I think it's probably going to be a project that comes out after the official release date because we're figuring out how to do everything from home, right? So we have to film on a green screen and it'll be fun though. If I'm if it pans out the way I think it will be, then it will be very awesome, but stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show and I hope to see you around sometime very very soon and when your tour gets kicked off again and you are out and about and performing. Thank you so much. Have a great day and I'm excited to hear it. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Emily Blue reminding you great music is out there. Go find it where you live.
you almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Studio on the inside. It's just a great town. Oh, I miss it. Miss it all the time. I wish I could come visit right now, but we got a social distance, right? So.